Hey friends, this is Holly Goodman, and you're listening to Isaac's Autism Wild podcast, where we focus on topics related to raising loved ones touched by autism and its impact on relationships and family. I'll be sharing some of my personal parenting experiences, raising my son Isaac, who passed away in 2007, as well as an entirely different parenting experience as I now raise my son Caleb, who never ceases to blow my mind with his beautiful autism perspectives. So grab a drink and join me as I interview this week's group of exceptional autism parents. All right. Thank you guys for joining me for tonight's podcast recording of Isaac's Autism Wild podcast. As most of you probably figured out, we are still in quarantine. And so actually, that might be an interesting point because um, at the tail end of this, if we like, um, we will possibly talk about um, special education during the quarantine because I know that that's a hot topic. So today's podcast topic is pros and cons of full general education integration. Um, so I have a very large panel of parents joining me today, which I do appreciate. Um, and it's an interesting mix because some of us have um, kids that are more in self-contained classrooms um, the majority of the day. Um, and then some of us spend more of the day in general education education and um, go to a learning support center sort of uh, environment to be able to get their special services. So um, I'm going to jump right in with the first question. Um, What are some of the positive, like the pros for our kiddos being integrated into the general education setting? Um, Who wants to start? Like in in, for your family, um, let's talk about some of the pros that you've experienced um, with general education. I, I mean, I'll start by saying that definitely the social interaction for Caleb um, and, you know, being exposed to a variety of kids and bigger groups so that he has to, um, you know, manage that a little bit more, which for Caleb it is a bit of a challenge, um, is it's a good stretch for him that he wouldn't get if he was only in the learning support center for with the six kids that he's usually in there with at that for any given time. Um, but what are some other pros that you guys, the parents joining me might have? Angela, since you're the top of my list here. So, um, Angela, first introduce yourself because you, this is your very first podcast, right? With yeah. Autism Wild. Okay. So explain, um, your family and your kiddo that, um, is on the autism spectrum. And then you also have a daughter. So tell us just briefly a little bit about your family dynamic. Uh, I'm Angela. Um, I have a son. He's 11. He, um, has on the autism spectrum. We recently uh, found out he's level two, so mild to moderate. Um, and that's kind of changed a few things of how we do things. Um, I have a daughter who, she's going to be 13 next month. Uh, she has ADHD. And that's really been fun to navigate as well. Um, my husband and I, we both work for the school district. So we do have, um, we're a little more fortunate in this quarantine circumstance. Um but it still has its struggles. So um, that's us in a nutshell. Um, and I feel like some of the pros of being in a gen ed class. So my kiddo, um, name is Josh. He, um, last year he was more in a full-time and resource room. And the year before that he was in an autism program, which was more self-contained. And I feel, I find that those two years were, got us to where we are now. So for the fact that he, he had that time to learn his coping skills and figure them out. Um, it, but then he heavily relied on only talking to adults when he needed help or needed assistance with something and not to his peers. 
So this year he's been full in his gen ed classroom, like 98% of the day. And like you said, Holly, that social interaction has been really been key for us just because now he can talk to his peers when he needs help. And I think that has helped us like in our family as well, because now um, Josh and his sister have a really good relationship and he's able to empathize with her more about things. He does this really fun uh, stemming activity where he rewinds or fast forwards a show. I'm sure a lot of us do that or a lot of our kids do that, but it annoys my daughter, which is fine. Um, So now I have them like talk about it. And when I've done this before, it wasn't super beneficial for either of them. But now like he's almost in tears because he's hurt her feelings and he's made her upset. So I think this, the empathy piece he's gotten from being in the gen ed majority of the day is really huge. I mean, he's, I don't think he's doing a lot of learning because he's doing a lot of like easy math stuff and just kind of regurgitating um, online programs. But I think that it's, it's, uh, he's had a lot of growth in his social skills. Okay. So just so I, I'm clear here. So um, Angela, how, so he actually has transitioned and he's in gen ed 98% of the day. Whereas before he made that transition, what was, what did his day look like? Was it 50% gen ed? And then was he more in a was, instruction class? It was like 90% in self-contained. Okay. And so you made that a really big switch over to 98% gen ed versus um, he was 90% in a designed instruction class. Yep. And so when we're talking about this, just so that we um, are clear, um, when we talk about more self-contained classes, that can be like classrooms that for that are designed that designed instruction. So those are kiddos that have modified goals. And so they will have classrooms with, and it's usually smaller numbers. Um, and every school I see is a little bit different. Um, John's son, who is also joining me, he's in a self-contained, um, designed instruction classroom in high school with just, um, I think there's six or seven kids in his class. So depending on the level of need of those students, then, um, then, but so he's in, in, just in his self-contained classroom. So just to be clear then, Angela, when he's in his classroom in Gen Ed, he then, I'm guessing, is to make a jump from being 90% designed instruction classroom to a 98% Gen Ed classroom, he obviously has a one-on-one then. He does not. Oh, he does not? No. Um, So what does that mean? So his teacher does... um, she does a lot of differentiated instruction for him in the classroom and she partners him with his peers. Okay. So when they do like little small group social study activities or ELA stuff, he, she will specifically partner him with different peers in the classroom. Um, and so that, so he's kind of, he's not getting one-on-one with an adult, but he's getting one-on-one with a peer. Gotcha. Okay. And here's, that was actually one of the other points I was going to make is one of the benefits I think of having our kiddos spending time um, in general ed is that it actually teaches the neurotypical students um, empathy and the, and how to be supportive and how to um, support, well, support and, and include our kiddos that have special needs into that classroom. So it's not integration, it's inclusion. You know what I mean? And so that's one of the elements of 
um, of that that I really love is that, you know, I, I will say we're really lucky in our current school placement. You know, Caleb doesn't have bullying because all of the kids know that Caleb needs support. And so there's language and discussion about that. Um, whereas, you know, when you have kids, I think like Cooper, where he's more in his design instruction classroom all day long, you're not giving the other students that opportunity to work with them and help them, which I think are really important skills that are everyone needs for life, you know? So, um, that's great. I think I have David raising his hand that he has something he wants to share. Yeah, as far as the positives, it was interesting in moving from the Valley to District 81 and the change involved. We thought Piper would flourish and Morgan would freak out. And it was entirely the opposite. Um, and this, you know, isn't a testament specifically to the entire district or its school. But um, just as you described um, recently, she just has a class that gets it. Her now sixth grade class, they just get her. Um, it was not too long into the process, dropping her off at school. She'd open the door and some kid would be, Hey Morgan, which was like, what, you know, we hadn't had that at her previous school at all. Um, and then also through the process of going to resource and Morgan is 12 years old on the spectrum. Um, she goes two hours a day to resource and, uh, the rest of it in, in general ed. Um, but she just cultivated this group of friends. In fact, they cultivated her, I would say, um, it was just, I call her them the misfit group of friends. They all have their various issues, but somehow they incorporated Morgan and there's four of them. And, you know, at any time they could do a play date together. And this all came about because of this particular school. Um, the other thing too that I like about District 81 is that uh, elementary goes through sixth grade, which shelters her for another year uh, before middle school. Um, they do model the middle school in that they have them transitioning from classroom to classroom. Um, to kind of get her used to that. And also just kind of a shout out to Christine Colt, her uh, resource teacher, who has been fantastic and who really gets it. And I love what I love about her is um, she doesn't play the politics game. If the district does something she disagrees with or doesn't like, she tells you very much that like, this is not to our advantage. It's sad that they did this. And so um, those have been all the positives and benefits of uh, incorporating the gen ed. So was her class structure different when she was at a Valley school district versus, or was she same amount of gen ed versus learning support center when she made that transition or was it structured slightly different? I'm going to say slightly different. And I'm also going to plead a little ignorance here. I don't know if it was because I was on the road so much and mom was taking care of so much stuff. Maybe I wasn't as involved in that aspect. But the thing is, the fact that I didn't specifically know, as opposed to, you know, I'm pretty much and I guess that's another testament to the program she's in right now is I know specifically how long she's in one, how long she's in the other, what she's doing and that type of thing. And so from that standpoint, it's made it a little easier for her. Um, Christine. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to jump in here. Um, my son, Cameron, who is 13 now and in, in seventh grade has, um, we have been in schools in two different States. Um, and he's actually been, oh goodness. Um, in first grade, he was in, uh, one school in another state, uh, when we moved to, uh, Washington state, he was in one school and then uh, for a year and then we got into our neighborhood school and then they transitioned our sixth graders to a sixth grade center 
in hopes of, you know, next year going full um, middle school model six, eight. So I feel like Cameron's had a, a lot of experiences with a lot of different schools and staffs and, and that type of thing. And I can say that uh, we have always found um, the positives of Cameron participating in general education, um, mostly because of the supports that we have put in place. I don't know if Cameron could have done as well in a gen ed um, situation without the supports that we had in place. Cameron, up until fifth grade, had a one-on-one um, a um, and with, I don't think without that support, uh, we would have had as much success with him being full gen ed. Now, the next thing I'm going to say is that gen ed, um, placement in an elementary school is very different than gen ed placement as we move into both middle school and high school. And so I'm finding that, um, while a lot of the supports have stayed the same as he's moved to the sixth grade center, which is modeled just like middle school and just like high school, he has six periods a day, he has a locker, he has transition times, et cetera, et cetera, all of those things that can set our kiddos off. Um, even though he does have a one-on-one assistant during his um, gen ed time, it's not as successful the more we've moved to this higher education. Elementary school, the kids, you know, spend 95% of their day with the same 30 kids. Those 30 kids go to their specials classes. They get all of their, you know, instruction from maybe one classroom teacher and you create a lot of teachers and we've been extremely lucky with Cameron's um, set of teachers that they have created a, you know, a family, a caretaking um, environment that they took care of Cameron. Um, Pairing him up with a peer was absolutely as um, normal as his one-on-one and, you know, parents educator instructing him or the teacher instructing him. Um, those kids took care of Cameron. As we've moved to the middle school, you lose a lot of that because he's now in a school with um, not just kids from his elementary school, but kids from four other elementary schools that haven't been in school with Cameron since they were in second grade. And so they don't know him. They don't know his needs. They don't know um, how to help support him. And frankly, they don't care to want to. Um, so while I would say with the supports that we've had, we've never had anything less than a positive genetic experience. Um, that is, that is definitely changing the older that Cam has gotten. And as we've moved into the higher grades, and I don't know what it's going to look like as we move to eighth grade and high school. Gotcha. Well, that's going to segue into the next section that we're going to talk about here, which is some of the challenges that we are having um, in with Gen Ed, because I can say that for us, it's so funny because um, Tanya and I, before we went live, we were kind of commenting on how when um, my son Isaac initially was little and even Caleb was like little before we even entered in the school district, um, the pinnacle of success in my mind was um, having Isaac 
or Caleb be in full gen ed like the entire day. Um, because that means that all the therapies, all the things that we did before we got to that point meant that like we, it was successful. And, um, you know, Caleb is now a sixth grader. Um, and I will tell you that, um, well, like I said, there are some pros of gen ed. Um, there are some challenges. And so for us, those challenges are, we have never been able to have a one-on-one because Caleb functions at such a level that um, it's very much an invisible disability for him. So, you know, he has some receptive and expressive language processing um, and, you know, social quirks, if you will. Um, And there's a lot of misunderstandings. Um, Really, all in all, you know, Caleb is 98% gen ed. Um, and he's pulled out for learning support center because he's behind in reading because of, again, that recessive, re- receptive and expressive language processing, some communication. So, he, you know, he spends time with the speech therapist because he's learning idioms and double meanings because, again, those communication challenges. But he doesn't qualify for OT. Um, they have him in a social skills group. And really, actually, they use Caleb in the socials group more for modeling more of typical um, conversation because he's very conversational, um, but he is really, really behind um, in just his development. He socially and emotionally is more of like a fourth grader, if I'm totally honest. Um, he has very immature interests and he's very um, behind just socially and emotionally that, um, you know, while be it, he can self-regulate and manage himself in gen ed. And really, that's what I think that they're measuring, you know, like he has the capabilities of being able to self-regulate in gen ed. So that's where the most appropriate place for him to be. But if I was really going to focus on what skills could Caleb be learning so that he has the best chance for a future for him, you know, being in the gen ed class where he is behind academically in math, so he's not doing sixth grade math. So he sits in math class um, when they're doing sixth grade math and he does diddly doo-doo because he is only doing fourth grade math. So that whole time is a complete waste for him. Um, Reading, comprehension, it takes him longer. He has to have his books audio because of his receptive language processing issues. Um, So he, when they're doing their stuff, he has to put on his headphones and he has to listen to it. And how he learns um, that material is totally different than the rest of his class. So he might as well be, you know, like doing, and then he has to have, you know, the, you know, he can have the, the, you know, the questions read to him and how he has to have education presented to him. Um, it's just a lot of the day that he spends in jet ed is kind of wasted because of the supports he has to have um, with, um, you know, just being in gen ed class. And so, and that's where I guess I want to open it up here and just, you know, um, Jerry Lynn, I know that you and I have talked at great length um, with your kiddo. So maybe we'll jump over to you, Jerry Lynn. Um, I know that for you, um, you know, explain, talk, talk about your son um, and kind of how he spends his day. Yeah, so um, my son, Eliani, he is 12 and he's actually a seventh grader now at the middle school. Uh, he is in a self-contained classroom at the middle school, and that's been most of his school experience. We actually started off in a different state as well. We were up in Alaska and we originally started with him with a one-on-one aid and like a full-time preschool program in Alaska. And it was terrible. Like it just didn't work out. He, Elian is fiercely independent and he was just not into doing everything that the group was doing. And it's still kind of a struggle to this day. Um, 
he's a lot better with sitting there and like listening and not making, making sounds, but um, he just doesn't want to do what everybody else is doing. He wants to kind of go at his own pace. Um, so pretty much since like early elementary school, we've, he kind of moved from, I guess I want to say first grade, a first grade, we're at the same school where Cameron was at for um, elementary school. And we had a terrible experience with a gen ed teacher, to be perfectly honest. Like it just wasn't, I don't know if it just wasn't a good fit, but I don't feel like she tried to make it work. So he ended up with that. What, did he have a one-on-one when he was in that classroom? He, he did have a one-on-one when he was in that classroom. So he spent, um, I don't remember what the percentages are now. I mean, it's been so long, but he spent part of his day. He was supposed to spend part of his day in the gen ed class and then part of it in the primary um, um, DI classroom or um, DLC in that district. Um, but he just... I think part of it, in my, I don't know, at least in my opinion, it was a lot to do with the first grade teacher. She just, I don't know if it was an inconvenience to her or she just didn't want to make it work. She didn't try to make it work. So he ended up spending most of his time in the DLC classroom. And honestly, that's where he's ended up thriving. He just, um, he gets work that is you know, at his level, regardless of the subject. Um, I mean, he picks up really quickly. And once, you know, he's explained how to do something, he gets it. He can, he can figure out and do it. I mean, he's, he's a really quick learner in that way. Um, but he just hasn't been able to like thrive in that group setting, even with a full-time aide. So I don't know, as, as much as I wanted him to be more in gen ed, um, because same, like I thought that meant that he's overcome a lot of the challenges that, you know, he's had um, his whole life. I just know that he likes school, being in the environment that he's in right now. And to me, that's really important, you know, throughout this whole um, shelter in place and, you know, having no school, he's asked to go to school every single day. He keeps telling me to delete COVID-19 because <laughs> he's like, COVID-19, he realizes that's why there's caution tape on the, you know, all the playgrounds. That's why he can't go to school. So he's like, mom, delete COVID-19. I'm like, I really wish I could do that, buddy. Mm-hmm. We all delete. would like to hit the delete button. Absolutely. COVID-19. I'm like, I think they should give him the sequence, like the DNA sequence, and he'll like figure it out. Yeah, I mean, because he's sure. just that motivated at this point. But um, I guess to me, what's most important is for him to to be successful in his everyday and this is what's kind of, this is what's made him successful. I can see the growth in him. Um, and his, we've been very fortunate with the DLC and the DI teachers that, you know, they've done a lot of group activities like with the kids in the class. Um, so they've had that kind of like classroom, you know, peer experience. But at the same time, each kiddo gets to learn at their own level and at their own pace. And, you know, they have smaller class size, lots of support and, you know, it's, it's made him happy going to school every day. So if he comes home thinking he's successful to me, that's, that's a win. I agree. And um, tell me too, we had a conversation a a while ago about there was a lot of discussion during one of Elian's um, IEPs that they actually wanted to increase the time in gen ed. And and what was kind of your dialogue on that? Um, I, I told them that if it was going to be I didn't want him there just to increase that time in gen ed. Like if it was going to be true inclusion into what they were doing, 
then absolutely let's let's have him be a part. I don't want him to be the token kid with autism in there or put him in there just to, for them to show on paper that maybe he's making progress toward towards that goal. If it, he was truly going to be part of the class and part of the learning, then I was absolutely all for it. Um, I just didn't know how that they how they were going to do that, especially in the class that they were thinking of putting him into. They wanted to put him in art and most of the stuff they do in art, he like has no interest in whatsoever and he'll probably just like run off. So if they can truly get him to be a part of the class, um, then I, then I was all for it. Got it. Hey, um, I'm going to jump over to Maria right now because Maria has some kiddos that she has to get off to bed. And I, and Maria, when we were talking before we started, you had a really, some really good, um, interesting points here. Um, so Maria, if I could get you to unmute um, your mic or maybe I'm muting it. So sorry about that. If I was, um, could you Maria, describe your family for us? And then some of your, um, challenges or frustrations when we're talking about how your <coughs> kiddo set, spends his day. Okay, so um, Josiah is 13. He's in seventh grade. He's spent the majority of his uh, schooling in a self-contained classroom. Um, he was in a preschool classroom full-time, but had a one-on-one aid as early as preschool. Um, he received a permanent one-on-one aid in kindergarten, and she has um, continued throughout the years with him. So in elementary school, I would say he was about 50-50 until about third grade when the academics kind of got harder, um, his frustration level got higher. So it was safest for all parties involved to have them in self-contained. And um, some teachers have been absolutely amazing. Um, hard IEP goals, hard but challenging, but um, totally doable for him. He's reading at like a second grade level, pretty much nonverbal, but can read. Um, so he has some strong areas of um, academics. Same thing with Cooper. When pushed. Um, okay. <clears throat> I think some of those struggles, oh, I'm sorry. That was the same thing with Cooper. He can I think read, some of the struggles talk. we've had is um, um, teachers just not knowing where he's at when he moves to new schools. So he was at um, two elementary schools, and then he's been at two middle schools. So one year at one middle school, and then that program dissolved, and now he's at a new one. Um, there's very few students like Josiah, so it's hard to have um, schema for the teachers to build upon and draw from when dealing with his behaviors and looking past those and how to help him manage through those as um, a deterrent for the educational piece. Um, I do say that when he was younger, gen ed was pretty much our goal as well. Um, But then that quickly dissolved into recess time or um, like the specials where he wasn't nearly as supported with as strong of a suit of teachers. So when you're talking about specials, will you explain what that, what you mean by that for those that are listening? Oh yes. Like music, music, art, PE, um, you know, the world language. And I think that's all that I remember him taking. (laughs) So it was, um, you know, a teacher that he saw once a week for 30 minutes a week, um, so there really wasn't that relationship there. And the set, the settings were all different. The curriculum's all different. Um, so it was hard for him to manage in there. And a lot of times, especially PE, it was just too loud. But they would count that as his gen ed, which to me, I felt like he might have been more successful had it been in an actual classroom setting because that's his been exposure mm-hmm. to school. <laughs> um, it was at one point when he was at the um, elementary level that he had five recesses because they counted that as his um, gen ed time. Um for a kid who can't regulate his body temperature. So if it's hot, he doesn't sweat. He's just hot. Um, 
he can get cold and will be cold all day. So he absolutely hates recess. So then again, that would cause behavior. So he wouldn't go to gen ed because he was escalated. So he's in a full-time, I mean, he gets off the bus and walks in the back door and leaves school off the back door um, in a self-contained classroom. Um, I think that that's the best for him, honestly. But what I do like is that there's gen ed kids that come into the classroom so they can get exposure to him and learn about him in his environment, which is such a great concept because he's most comfortable as well as the other students in the classroom. So it just kind of makes more sense to have gen ed look like that, where the gen ed kids come to our kids in their environment, build those relationships, and then integrate them into the hallways and peers that way. You know what? I have to tell you, Maria, when I was in the fifth grade, and I'm currently 43 years old, I'm not afraid to admit that, but when I was in the fifth grade, actually, they had that program at Broadway Elementary in the Spokane Valley, and that was actually one of the best and most fun experiences of my whole life. So you got to volunteer to go into their classroom and help. And then you also were their recess buddy. And so then every single week you would rotate to a different kiddo. And it was fun. It was so much fun. Um, so Maria, in your, in, in your situation, um, when you are talking about your IEP, do you then talk about like, there's, is there any negotiation in there in terms of when the gen ed, um, minutes of his IEP take place? Oh, yes. So, um, unfortunately, we've had many uh, conversations with the many super um, student support services director and assistant directors. Um, with the benefit of working for the school district, I had a lot of people who were able to observe things that were going on while I was working at a different school. So that's the only way I found out that he was having five recesses. Being nonverbal, he can't come home and tell me these things. So I had the director of student support services um and get in contact with the teacher at the time um, and ask for a copy of his schedule. And that's how we discovered and um, that his recess times were counted as Janet. And she herself said that that's not acceptable because there's no um, certified support. So you can't count that as Janet minutes. Okay. Because it has to be under the direction of a certified teacher. Gotcha. Gotcha. So if you had it your way, you would just prefer him to spend the majority of his, like all of his day and then just bring in gen ed kids into his classroom as his opportunity to engage them? I would say with the way that his school year has gone this year, that would definitely be the most successful. Um, he's had a lot of triggers this year, so I don't think he would even be successful like walking in the hallways, honestly. Um, there's a lot of skills that need to be developed for middle school level at that level. Um, so I think them coming to him and showing interest in his interests and engaging with him and slowly building that relationship, I think we could have gotten somewhere with the remainder of the year, if not starting off for next year. But for sure, it's a much better place for him to be in a self-contained room than to be integrated into Gen Ed. Yeah. And then, of course, too, we're in COVID. And this is kind of a sidebar. But now one of your one of the posts that you made on Facebook, which I thought is um, really, really true, and we're dealing with this with um, Johnson Cooper, is, is that when, you, when these kiddos spend all of their day in a designed instruction class, or the majority of their day in a designed instruction class, the problem is, is that now we're doing virtual learning, right? And we've just been told today that we um, will be doing this, um, that we won't be going back to school, the physical building. And one of the things that you, you know, you nailed right on the head 
um, with a post that you made. I don't know if it was last week or the week before, maybe it was three weeks. Cause you know, all the days are running to, you know what I mean? But, um, that there's nothing, there's no support for Josiah. There's no virtual learning opportunities for him. Um, and I don't know, um, Jerry Lynn, if you have that same frustration or even Angela, um, that there's nothing that's being sent home. Um, because, and again, if we're not doing the direct one-on-one learning with them, um, there's just no way for them to, in this situation, to be able to have any sort of instruction. And, and so that's been really frustrating. And yeah, Mary, have you um, we've been given a little... Go ahead. We've been given a little bit of guidance from his teacher, but his teacher knows that um, I'm pretty strong in the area of being able to enforce his IEP goals. Um, we help set them. We help. Uh, we have a functional education IEP more so than an academic one. Um, but the tr- the struggle has been with coming up with his plans as well as the other kids in our house's plans. And then it, he basically does need a one-on-one even at home. So then I've got three other kids that are required learning but I can't be of assistance with them because I'm home by myself because my husband's an essential worker. Yeah. So trying to find that balance of a one-on-one educator, but then a one to four parent. Yeah. And the balances of all of that has been really struck really hard. Yes. I, I hear, I hear exactly what you're saying. And, and you are so, I envy you so much. Cause I tease you that, Hey, any chance I can drop off my kids and you can do some of that wonderful learning that I see you doing at home. Cause you, you know, post some really creative ideas and I'm so jealous of that, but I also recognize that you also are really struggling and really trying to do the best you can for Josiah. You did point out early on too, that his behaviors had actually come down a lot. Um, you know, just, you know, even being at home and you kind of knowing what his tolerance is and being able to, um, you know, adapt it to him. So I am giving you the gold star of mamas right now, especially with well, home. So his behaviors have actually started to increase now that we really can't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, he's starting to get antsy. So the yellow behaviors have been increasing. Um, he wanted a toy from Walmart and I told him Walmart was closed and that set a huge anxiety attack. Because he didn't understand, like, Walmart's never been closed. What do you mean there's no toys? Like, it was full-on panic attack. So those behaviors are increasing. The uncertainties of the world now looks different, let alone the educational piece. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank God it's a break right now. Well, Maria, I know that you have to hop off um, to go get kids to bed, so I'm not going to keep you, but I wanted to make sure that we um, grabbed you before you had to hop off because I think you had some really good points. Um, David, Yes. I'm Oops, hold on. I was waving goodbye to Maria. That's oh, all. I'm oh, sorry. Okay. Um, Angela, can we piggyback on that with you guys? Like, cause you were describing your kiddo and how you guys kind of made the flip-flop from 90% designed instruction, self-contained classroom to being gen ed. Have you been able to get some supports then like for his learning, like virtual learning, or what does that look like for you guys? So, um, not quite. Um, the only support we have currently is his iReady math program. He's on like a, like a special path. It's like my path version. So it's what his teacher had given him previously. We've just done that. But a lot of it has been like his virtual learning has been stuff that, um, his dad and I have come up with together. Um, so we have access to, um, IXL and Khan Academy. And we just, I started from the bottom and I'm like, okay, let's figure out your baseline, bud. And then just kind of built it from there. Um, we, 
A lot of the support that we've been offered currently, just as of this week, was uh, paper packets that were only offered to be picked up at the school. And I'm like, I'm trying to remind his teacher, like we're he's choiced into that school. I can't go pick it up. I am an essential worker in the morning where I need to hand out packets to my own students. Mm-hmm. So that's been um, that's been a little difficult um, to get any kind of differentiated instruction other than like, hey, this is what was assigned to you in your class. Let me sit with you and let me scribe for you. Let me pull these answers from you. So it's just been it's been really hard because then we're doing that one on one. Um, aspect because now I'm mom, but I'm also his one-on-one and I'm also caretaker and all of this stuff is just being piled onto each other. You know, I just Uh, realized this, David and I are the minorities here because as I'm looking at all your guys' delightful faces, Angela, you're professionally in education. Christine, you were in education. Uh, Jerlyn, you were actually in school because you're going into education. Tanya, you also were in education and um, Maria, who had to leave us to go put her kids into bed, are education. So hats off to you guys because um, you, yeah, like I'm just as a homeschool mom currently with four kids, I just like literally want to just shoot myself. It's just so hard. Um, so well done ladies. I have a new appreciation for all that you guys, um, do or have done professionally in the past because like, this is no joke. So, um, so yeah, Angela, I know we've kind of had some, um, mom's night conversations about just, you know, how much is actually coming home. And so I know that that's kind of a, an ongoing struggle. I want to jump over to Tanya. Um, So Tanya, if you could unmute your mic. Um, So Tanya, let's, uh, you've been on many of our podcasts. And so it's funny because again, I mentioned that before we went live, we were talking about how um, our opinions have changed as Maria said that, you know, she, you know, that was their goal was full gen ed for um, Josiah early on. And then um, I know that you kind of had that thought, too. I also love because you talked to your son before you got on this podcast to get his input. So I'm excited to kind of hear that whole story. So go ahead and give us kind of a feedback for those that may not have listened to a podcast with Tony on it in the past. Um, give us the breakdown. OK, I have a son, Logan. He's nine years old in fourth grade and on the spectrum. Um, when we started this whole journey, we also were in a different state to begin with. So he started kindergarten in Texas and he started pretty much full gen ed without a para, with the exception he was pulled for writing group and for occupational therapy and speech. And kindergarten was a rough year. Um, and that's when we realized, and that's when he also got his autism diagnosis was during that year. And then first grade, we, right before first grade started, we got the ADHD diagnosis and started him on medication. And third, first grade actually went fairly smoothly considering without having, I mean, but then we made the decision to move. And then we moved and everything went downhill. <laughs> and, yes. yeah, and we've talked about this numerous times in some of our previous podcasts. So, uh, yes. so ex- describe for us what his current day looks like. Okay, so, well, we started off this year in fourth grade with more general education. He has a one-on-one para, um, and he was mainly just went to resource for math group, writing group, and reading group. And he still gets speech and occupational therapy, like, once a week. So, but, um, so that's the school year. And even with the para support, it was extremely difficult for him to be in general education. Like, he was just having rough days. I was getting calls from the school. He just wasn't able to handle it. But if you look at him academically on paper, you would think, oh, this kid can 
could be in general education, but no, he just couldn't handle it. So we ended up in January or beginning of February, switching around his whole schedule. And he's not in general education that much anymore. Um, the problem is in with resource room is he can't just be in there all day because she has his resource teacher has other groups mm-hmm. that he doesn't fit into. So he actually does um, some adaptive stuff with his one-on-one. He does uh, math individually with his uh, one-on-one para. And then we add it in the afternoon also. And he has social skills in which they just started doing this and then school got out permanently. Yeah. They just being a social skills group where they would pull like different kids each time from his classroom into a social skills group because it's better to practice social skills with those like more typical peers. And so they were just starting to do that. And then we added a little time into our, um, which he doesn't qualify for the program, but him and another student get to go into our DLC developmental learning center classroom in the afternoons just for a little bit of time. Um, it was something they added just because they needed some sort of like breakup of their day. And he goes down there with a friend of his who also technically doesn't fit into that bubble, but they get to go down there in the afternoons just for a little bit of time. And sometimes they go down there just to have some reward time. Um, all the kids love the teacher and he goes down there on like Thursdays when they do cooking. So it kind of breaks up his day academically. He goes down there on Fridays when they have language group and it's just, it's a smaller classroom environment, but academically he doesn't really fit in there, but it's, there's only 10 kids in there with a lot more adults. And so it's just, a lot smaller. So since we switched to schedule, he's been doing much, much better. He's still in general education for like PE, music, um, library. He's in general education for science. Um, if they're doing something that they know that he's interested in, like they were one day for reading, they were comparing a book they read with the, and then they watched the movie and they were doing a compare and contrast between the book and movie. And he's an avid reader and he had lots of opinions on it. So they let like they don't say, well, you have to go to group now. So he was able to stay in class for that because he did have lots of opinions. So they'll let him stay in class. Like if it's something they know that he's extremely interested in, but even though academically he could do class, it's just too many kids. And so I did ask him his opinion on this. And so the nice thing about um, Logan is he is verbal and he is conversational. And so I think when it comes to like general education in general, I think it's important. I think every student you have to really take into account their individual needs. And for me, it's important to also get Logan's feedback on that. And so when I asked him, he'll tell you every day he prefers to be in the resource room over his classroom. And it's because for him, it's a smaller environment. He works in a small group. Um, I asked him why he doesn't like being in his classroom as much. And he told me it's because it's too loud. He told me there's too many kids. And he said, it's not the girls. He said he could handle the girls. He said, the girls in his class are fine. He says, it's the boys. Mm-hmm. He said, they are loud and that they are annoying. And he gets annoyed very easily and that they use potty words. And so. Agreed. Caleb is the same way. The other thing too, is the boys tend to violate his bubble space more so than the girls. The girls stay away from him. Whereas the boys, because they're so rowdy and just kind of like rambunctious. He just gets, and he's a very, he's, he's a kid who's very easily annoyed by others to begin with. And so the things that fourth grade boys do, he just doesn't like, whereas the girls are very more like mothering and nurturing and helpful and more quiet. And so he gets along with the girls. Great. Last year, he had a group of girls who in his third grade class, who really just looked out for him. Yes, I will agree. I agree with that. The girls tend to be a little bit more mothering and some, maybe sometimes too mothering because some of these girls will do a lot of the of yes. the, the group work for him because they just know that Caleb needs help and they're just being helpful. And it's just like, okay, make him sink a little bit. You know what I mean? Make him have to work, but. Yes. Um, so, so 
So Logan's big thing is he does, he just prefers the smaller environment, even though like he excels in reading and I'm, he's about to have his reevaluation and he's not going to qualify for reading support. I can tell you now because he's, he has reading support right now for comprehension, but he's actually scoring in the 50th percentile based on all his current like evaluations. And so that's going to kick him out right there. However, his teacher who I love, his resource teacher, um, she is really good at finding out ways around things like this. And she said, you know, we can write it to where he can still stay in his reading group and write it as an adaptive because he needs to work, learn how to work in small groups, even if he doesn't qualify for the reading group Smart. support. Smart. Smart. Yeah. He'll keep him in his group, even if he doesn't end up qualifying for it. Yeah. Just well, because he does better. Yeah. And that's, again, where, and that's, I guess, my next question is, is, you know, Caleb tends to be, um, you know, when he's in the learning support center, because again, he self-regulates really well. Um, he's, you know, obviously very conversational. Um, he tends to be that kid when he's in the learning support center that they're using him. Like he's kind of always, you know, um, especially on the social and, um, the, you know, the social skills, he's always kind of at that, that high end of the group. And so he tends to almost be more of that neurotypical peer. Um, but you know, the thing about it is, is that he part Caleb, same thing. I asked Caleb how he feels about gen ed and he would, if he could spend his whole day in the learning support center, he would by virtue of the fact exactly what you said, Tanya, the numbers are smaller. Um, he also, there's two people in the learning support center. So he gets, um, if it's not, um, you know, Mrs. Ryan, then, you know, he has the other, um, they just switched to a new gallon. So I'm, I, I feel terrible that I can't remember what her name is, but, um, and so there's two people that actually support him in there. I think that he may, and he, that if he had given been given the opportunity um, to have a an aide in his gen ed class, it, it's possible he would have. It, it may be better. Um, the pro, the interesting thing is the most amazing year that Caleb has ever had was in the fifth grade. And one of the things when we were talking about this, you know, number one, he had a very good teacher. She was great. She was able to adapt things um, in the gen ed classroom with very just she was just, you know, um, it was very smooth. And and she was able to do it without even giving a lot of thought and energy to how she was, you know, she was just a natural at that. And I think that makes a big difference. But here's the other thing that I just realized as you guys were talking, is that she had her aunt Carolyn, uh, or Kathleen, aunt Kathleen was her name, Aunt Kathleen was always in the classroom, and she was a retired teacher. Um, and so she was in her classroom every single day. And so she would often pull Caleb aside and work on stuff. And that was part of, I think, the reason why things were so able to be adapted for him to be able to be really super successful in gen ed, um, which I didn't really actually think about that until you guys were talking about the, that additional support that's really beneficial. He's in the sixth grade now, and it's just... Um, for Caleb, I'm not sad that we're not going back because it was just really hard. They're doing the new, the transition now, like they're um, sixth grade. They're having them transition three times um, so that they get used to the rotation and the switching periods. And it's just been an absolute nightmare for him. But also there's not that support. You know, Aunt Kathleen isn't in that classroom that's providing some of that additional support that he needs to help make those transitions. Um, so I'm thinking next year is going to be a total nightmare. I'm going to pick on Christine. I want to go back to Christine real quick because you are my mom, um, my parent joining me today that you're already in middle school and you'll be making that transition to high school um, sooner than later. Um, and the thing I want to talk about too is how 
One thing about this that concerns me is I had my eyes opened this year because they're talking about Caleb's move up meeting. And a move up meeting is when they talk um, the school, the elementary school special education team meets with the special education team at the middle school. And they um, come up with basically what his day is going to look like next year and um, how his numbers are going to translate, his special service hours are going to translate, a variety of different things. And um, one of the things that was uh, and and also keep in mind, I have my son, my bonus son, Trevor, who um, is, you know, out of foster care, for lack of a better term. Um, And he is so he's in high school and he is. academically behind. And so I have an IEP for Trevor. And what's interesting is, is that Trevor um, will be again, neurotypical, and he just has academic delays. He's only 50% gen ed because um, Trevor for his math, he goes into his, um, they call it math basics classroom. So he goes into his math basic classroom. And that's where he does his math, whereas Tyler goes into his 10th grade math class. And then for English, he has his um, English class. Um, and then, but it's basically, you know, he, it's probably more, if we were being honest about a sixth grade English class and then Trevor has English. So he still gets the same English credit. He gets the same math credit, but, and Trevor doesn't even realize that he's actually only 50 considered 50% Gen Ed because again, he goes to math just like everybody else goes to math classes, just his math class looks different. Um, and so I have no real issues with, you know, that until now my awareness of Caleb is, Caleb in middle school, what's being ruled out, and of course, I'm, I'm working with the school to maybe adapt and change this. But what we found out is, is that Caleb will have seventh grade math, and then he gets math basics class as his elective class, because normally you would have math, English, science, oh. history, yeah, or math. Yeah, so he gets, yeah, so basically the kid in middle school, he should be getting two electives, but they consider right. his two electives to be the math support class that he's going to need. Um, and then also an English support class because he doesn't operate at like seventh grade. So he basically are like, well, you know, we'll do our best, but it doesn't look like we're going to be able to give Caleb an elective because he's going to be in this math class, seventh grade math, but then he's going to have to be in this other support, which is essentially the equivalent of learning support center. So he, no, 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 literally I was like, no, oh, no. Oh, hell no. no. Oh, hell no is basically what I was just like. Yeah. I cannot say no enough. A- absolutely not. So our experience with Cameron um it is is this. Um he he has so he's 50-50. Cameron is 50 gen ed, 50 uh special ed. But this is what we did. Um he goes his English is resource English. So that is what I I guess between districts, that would be your math basics. He goes in there, he works on at whatever math level he's at. There's probably about 15 kids in that class and they all are at different levels. Um, I think it actually might be a combined seventh and eighth grade resource class. So everybody's working at a different level. Um, but it's, it's, it's math basics. I mean, he's still working on simplifying fractions and doing you know, counting money and it's, it's basic math. It's very functional math. It is not, um, you know, pre-algebra or anything like that, that he, sh- you know, that other seventh graders are, are, are doing. His English class is his resource English class. Um, 
other seventh graders go to regular seventh grade English. Cameron goes to resource English. Um, so those, and then he has in our district, they have what's called life skills. Um, I don't necessarily love this class because honestly, we, I just got his grade report from that class and it was, um, vol Valentine party plan, 100%. So he has an A in, um, his life skills class because apparently they party plan there. Oh, um, well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I don't necessarily love this class. It's called life skills. Um, but so those three classes are considered his um, special education time. In addition to, you know, when he's pulled out to go to speech, he doesn't qualify for OT. He does get um, 60 minutes per week. Um, and they figure out how to break that down, whether it's three 20 minutes or two half an hour times per week. So then Cameron is um, gen ed three periods out of the day. He goes to regular gen ed science, um, gen ed social studies. And then what we opted to do, um, and this was, I didn't necessarily have to fight for this, but I really pulled for this. PE is a huge trigger for um, class for Cameron. Sort of like Maria's son, Josiah, Cameron has a really hard time regulating his body temperature. Um, when he gets overheated, it just, it spins him out of control in every other way. He can't handle the um, noise in a gym. In middle school, there's like four classes of gym per period. So you're talking four times 30. You're talking 120 kids in a gym that everything's just echoing and they're bouncing balls or they're, you know, whatever it is they're doing. So we opted to pull Cameron from PE. And we that's an ongoing conversation that we have during his IEP meetings that while Washington State has a you know, PE credit requirement for graduation, we will address that in a different way than having Cameron in PE classes um, in middle school or high school. So those would be his three gen ed classes, um, the science, social studies, and PE. We pulled him from PE because I felt it was more important for him to have an elective class. And my argument was, that I wanted, and especially the way our district did it at um, the sixth and seventh grade level, is every quarter the students get to um, do basically a, an exploratory elective. So they get four options in a year because every quarter they switch. So they can do a leadership class. They can do a robotics class. They can do a study skills class. They can do um, a a coding and, and gaming class. So we said that it was more important for Cameron to be able to explore um, electives so that we could find strengths for him. And right before school got shut down for us, we found out that music was a huge um, plus for him. He excelled at it. He learned very quickly how to play a musical instrument. Um, he enjoys it. He has a really good time. And so we allow him to do that. So we really tailored um, Cameron's schedule. And I absolutely fought against them saying, 
oh, he's going to be in two periods of life skills because that's just what we do with kids like Cameron. And I'm like, well, apparently he's not going to fit the mold because we're not, we're not doing that. We're not doing two periods of party planning. Like I want him to experience other things. Agreed. Yeah. Like I said, we're obviously uh, move up meetings are going to look a little bit different now with the COVID-19 and school not being in effect. But yeah, it was one of those things where my mind was, my mind was just blown that it's like, wait a minute. So my kid doesn't get electives because he has to have his learning support is supposed to happen during that elective time. And I was like, um, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. So just understand if you're a parent listening to this, understand that that is totally negotiable and you just need to talk to your school and your, and your transition team about that. Here's another question I'm going to ask. And I'm going to actually, I'm curious because I'm going to ask each of you guys, I'm going to go down the line. I'm going to start with you, David. Um, David question for you. And this will be the same one that I'm asking everyone. Um, do you feel, David, that um, general education, the environment, the experience helps or hurts your daughter's self-esteem? Because I think that in some cases, I think it can help. And I think in some instances, it can actually hurt their self-esteem. So where do you feel um, or do you feel like it's kind of year to year? Because um, I know last year when Caleb was in the fifth grade with this amazing teacher, if we could just clone her and then also have that extra um, support person in the classroom. And again, that worked because she was just volunteering. Um, Caleb's self-esteem was like through the roof last year. Um, and then now like this year, we're in sixth grade and his self-esteem has dropped significantly because again, each developmental step, you know, he sees his peers me- making. And then of course, when he's in gen ed with all of them, I think he becomes more cognizant and more aware of the fact that he's different and he's behind. Um, but I know it's possible because like I said, in fifth grade, Caleb's self-esteem was like through the roof. Um, never seen him more sure, more confident of himself. But then this year I'm seeing that actually decline. So where do you feel like it fits for you guys? Do you think it's a combination of both or have you never thought about it? <laughs> you said changing year to year. How about like minute by minute? Um, and it just, she is so locked in the moment. She is so locked in what is right in front of her at that moment. So she responds emotionally uh, depending on the stimulus that's being received. Um, I'm going to say, though, it's overall probably a detriment to her self-esteem in the, in the way that she is starting to be aware that she's not keeping up with the other. She has a different way of telling us, but she is telling us. Um, which creates anxiety. Um, I really appreciate the fact that we gave this a go, but you know, Tanya had said it earlier, has your position changed on this thing? Yes. Which is, you know, my vision of her in general, you know, in the general education was, you know, she will progress to a point where that she'll get the, the, the care and attention she needs. She'll be behind on some things, but she will flourish in other areas. And none of it's really taken off. Um, the thing that comes up with her is just resistance immediately. Um, she's probably better about it at school than at home because right now, anytime we, you know, even suggest that she do any work, the resistance comes up like right away. She gets so anxiety ridden over doing it. And the fact is like for the 20 minutes of anxiety, once we actually get her to do the math, she knows it and she does it. And it's just like, okay, you, I mean, but we can't get her to draw the correlation between that and the next time we ask her to do math, it's still that same resistance. And so when I was looking at it, 
and the homework packets were coming home. You know, it was just this never ending struggle the entire week just to get this stupid thing signed off on. And I'm like, did she even learn anything for the effort that we put into this type of thing? So what is she actually gaining? What is she actually learning? She is one of those things, one of those people that will just slip through the cracks. She won't petition for herself. I will say this year, as opposed to previous years, Mrs. Selland, huge shout out, um, and Moran Prairie, um, this teacher gets her. And even in that scenario, I mean, and I will take suggestions from everybody else in that um, I, I want an alternative. I don't know that I ha we have enough resources to pay for that alternative, but I am completely open to what the alternatives are for seventh and eighth grade outside of homeschooling because, um, you know, I don't know that Meg wants to drink that much. <laughs> um, so it's I, I just we have tried and we just know that she is going to give us more resistance than somebody else that's not with her in the day to day. Um, the other thing that's forcing me, and this is my, um, you know, this is my testament to my wife right now because she's never been on one of these. Um, she doesn't have a, an easy time asserting herself or uh, being in the limelight, but I want to give her kudos for what she told both the resource teacher and her um, Morgan's um typical teacher about our introduction to middle school night, um, which was, I was disappointed that they didn't have an actual special, special education teacher there to say a few words for this population to the school. It all seemed directed towards mainstream and high level performers. As usual, our kids are swept under the rug like they're an embarrassment and do not exist. Boom. That's yeah. my, I mean, for my wife to be able to communicate that, um, to the right people we think was awesome. But at the same time, does it have any effect? Are they really going to do anything about it? I mean, that was the feeling that we've had at her, their current uh, elementary school was they're still really catering to this, you know, the advanced kids. Cause sure. That's what gets them the funding. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, it's like, overall, I think it's been a good experience. And at the same time, really tough and a detriment to her self-esteem it's 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 if i had to put a percentage on it it would be 40 60 um however i am very much open to the alternatives right now yeah david so i feel the same way and i actually literally just had this conversation well it's been a while now because obviously it was before the school shut down but i had a a, a brief iep meeting um, with my son's team, um, because we were having a, a little bit of a struggle. And I actually, <laughs> for some reason, because I was showing up at the meeting, they literally had the director for special education in my IEP meeting. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. I warrant the director of special education. Okay. Uh, so, but I did pose the question. I said, my son, I said, your district offers resource math and resource English, which is a phenomenal, um, placement for him. He, he can thrive in that. I said, why are there not resource science classes and resource social studies classes? I said, you offer, you offer AP classes, you offer honors classes, but you don't offer resource classes in any other general edu general ed subject other than English and math. And I said, you do a disservice to students like my son who 
I want him to learn the curriculum and he is absolutely capable of learning the curriculum in both science and social studies. He just can't do it at the level at which you're asking gen ed kids to do it at. Yes. And the pace. And they can't keep up with the pace either. Exactly. The the pace is too much. The the level at which they're asking him, you know, the language level, because that's a a struggle for a lot of our kiddos, that language piece. I said, but you don't offer that. It's not offered. Why not? Because my son can't be the only child that needs that. Yeah, I agree. I said, again, you offer... I was going to say, where is the incorporation, uh, you know, for the education of special ed teachers? Um, she would flourish in an interest-based learning environment when they had a social studies project that they had to do. Of course, the normal anxiety came up, and then we suggested, why don't you take your favorite YouTube character, Baby Allen, and make it around him? All of a sudden, boom, it was Baby Allen Island with all the characters and all the stuff, and she couldn't wait to do the work. And it's like, where does the light go off? That man, if we just incorporate more of that type of thing, um, and I don't know where that exists. Yeah, and I, you know, they yeah. have some, you know, we have a Pride Prep here in Spokane, which is a interest-based learning middle school through high school option. And we were told that we weren't a candidate for that because Caleb is not a self-starter and he cannot manage his time and like balancing how much time he should be spending on one element of a project versus, you know, because the whole point of that is, is that he is, you know, supposed to, um, you know, use the, his interest to have math, English, you know, science, you know, and build that around it. But because he is not a self-starter and he doesn't manage his time um, and, and, and lacks executive function skills to be able to manage that, he was not a candidate for that type of a learning opportunity, which I think is really kind of disappointing because, again, project-based learning is really something where I feel like Caleb could excel um, because then he's using, you know, his strengths um, and even then filling in some of his weaknesses. Because, you know, like if he's if he's motivated um, and it's around a subject that he likes, then he really he dives into it. So I totally agree, David. Um, and it was just really frustrating because as high functioning and, you know, conversational as he is, you know, we were told we weren't a candidate for that type of program. Um, and of course, it's all lottery based. But because Caleb had an IEP we weren't even put into the lottery in that particular option. So, so, so now their options are, I don't know, they get either life skills, which is teaching them to empty a dishwasher and apparently plan val- Valentine's parties, <laughs> or he, he goes to a, a gen ed class, which isn't appropriate for them either. Correct. And yeah. so it's like, okay, we don't have any of that, middle of the road it's either too far below their functioning level or too high above yeah and yet we managed to do you know basic math gen ed math ap or honors math we we try and reach all of those you know levels for other kids apparently it's very much lacking in special education. Yeah. And to piggyback on that, before I go over to Angela to ask her my same question about the self-esteem piece is that when I, when you're talking about that, talking to your school about, um, 
you know, like the other options. So my son, Trevor, who's on an IEP and he's 50% gen ed. So he has his own special math. He has his own, um, his own English class. He has his sixth period is basically where he goes in and he takes his history and his science and he goes into that classroom and they then help him, um, modify it or explain it so that he can understand it and get caught up because he's in, he is in 10th grade science and 10th grade history, even though that is, um, it's way beyond what his capabilities are. So he goes into the six period class where they then help him figure out and help him get his assignments done. They're not really adapting it. They're basically helping him to try and get the assignment done and turned in. And here's what's interesting about Trevor is that in his math class and his English class and that resource support where he takes his other stuff, he feels like he is killing it because he's in there with kids that are, are, other kids where they are the kids that require more support. Um, and he loves it in there. He's, you know, helping them. And he's just like, Oh, yeah, you know, I'm like the highest level in math. And I'm the highest level. I'm doing stuff in English that like none of the other kids are doing. And so he has great self esteem in that. And then when you t- talk to him about history and science, he's like, I don't understand it. And he gets super stressed out. And then he says, even my support teacher doesn't even understand what this means. And so like, she told me just to do X, Y, and Z, and it should be good enough. And she said she would talk to the history and the science teacher about blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, ugh, you know what I mean? And so his self-esteem is really high in those classes, his, his classes that are designed for him. Like what you're saying, Christine, is that there's got to be some other options. So I'm going to jump over to um, Angela and ask that question. I'm going to unmute you here. Um, and I know you guys were chatting. Um, so what, how do you feel in terms of the self-esteem? Because again, you kind of took that different path where you guys were in more of that self-contained classroom. And then you um, pursued more of the gen ed, which I think is amazing. So how do you feel like um, in terms of self-esteem and how that's played into any of this? Oh, excuse me. I think Josh has a little bit of a different um, experience just because um, he's been at the same school with the same set of peers since preschool. So even though like our IEP minutes don't show 90% in a gen ed setting, Um, They show more in a special education setting just because we haven't gotten to change that yet from last year to this year, Um, which I didn't want to because I just wanted to see how the year played out. But um, as far as his self-esteem goes, I think it's been great. But then that is also because he's been at the same school with the same set of peers for seven years so that is, it's going to be really, really tricky when we transition to middle school. And I just have to like ride this wave as well, what was this glorious wave of fifth grade um, and just now figure out how that transition is going to work. So we have a little a different of an experience just because of that aspect. But Josh just doesn't, self-esteem isn't like kind of like a big thing. Um, I... I kind of see it more in his, he more of gets anxiety from things being um, non-scheduled or unknown versus any kind of self-esteem aspect. Like he doesn't care, like whatever, these people don't want to talk to me. I really don't care. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think he, I don't know. It's a really, it's really hard to answer just because uh, he's been with the same group. And if you've been with the same group for seven years, your self-esteem is through the roof, no matter 
who you are. I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. All right. How about you, Tanya? We're talking about self-esteem. Um, I'm going to kind of agree with what David said earlier about it kind of being a minute by minute thing. <laughs> it depends. Like, like for us, it's kind of like, I feel like with Logan, it's often a roller coaster. Like he goes through times where he's doing really well. And then he goes through times where it's really not good. And when he's doing really well, his self-esteem is actually pretty good, but he realizes when he's having a difficult time and he will usually call himself names. He'll say, I'm such an idiot, or I'm a jerk if he got in trouble for like saying something unkind to a kid. Like, he'll go through like, calling himself like names when he's having a really rough time. And so he kind of, so it does affect his self esteem negatively when he is having a rough time. But when he's doing well, he's fine. It really depends on the time and the moment. Yeah, I, I completely agree. What about you, Gerilyn? Um, I guess I would agree more with Angela on that. I don't really notice like a self-esteem issue in Elian. It's more of a like frustration or anxiety with him where um, like when he was doing OT today, there's some things that they had him do that were really difficult. And he was like, no, I don't want to do that. Like he'll just, because he knows that it's hard for him, but I don't think it's like as far as with peers or with anything in particular, he doesn't really show signs that you know, he's got higher, low self-esteem. I mean, he's been a superhero all day. He's been saying he wants to be a superhero. And I have to get him a cape, apparently. Oh, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, he must be, feel pretty good about himself. So, if you see my kid, like, wandering down the street with a cape, that's why. Um, but, yeah, I don't really notice that too much. I see more of the impact on what he can and cannot do on his, on his brother, to be perfectly honest. And on his brother's, like, um, I don't know if it's his self-esteem, but he's just more... I just embarrassed sometimes about his brother, like when there's he doesn't fit in. So I see more of the impacts of that on Emmanuel than I do on Elian. Interesting. Back to you, Christine. I know um, we didn't actually have you answered the question, and we were talking about kind of coming up with more options. But how? What do you think for Cameron? Um. Again, and I'm going to go back to the, the latest IEP meeting that we we just had to sort of hammer out a few accommodations um, for Cameron. And everybody likes to, you know, say, oh, is Cameron going to want, you know, a one-on-one aid with him when he's in high school? And does, you know, does Cameron, we, we want to make it so that Cameron doesn't feel you know, different because of, you know, whatever accommodations are happening. And I, from what I can tell, because again, Cameron, while he, you know, is verbal and and we can communicate and he has a lot of of language, um, I'm not quite sure that's a conversation that we've ever, you know, dove into and tried to flush out how Cameron feels about certain things. But my take is, is that Cameron doesn't function by those social norms. You know, what embarrasses some kids just doesn't embarrass Cameron. Um, For a couple of months, I was doing volunteering to go in and do lunch duty at, at the middle school. And my kid is the kid that when he's done eating, he's going to jump up and he's doing, I don't know, his, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle moves in the middle of the lunchroom with all of the kids. 
or he's the one that, um, you know, his teachers are videotaping when the leadership kids are getting up on the stage and, I don't know, having a dance off during lunchtime. My kid is the kid who is absolutely not embarrassed to get up in front of the entire lunchroom, um, sixth, seventh and eighth graders and, and shake his groove thing. I mean, he's just not that kid that is embarrassed easily. He, I don't think he understands those social norms. Um, I think Cameron has a pretty healthy um, self-esteem. Um, we try and, you know, build on his positives as, as much as possible. And um, when things are hard, we're, we're like, yeah, there's certain things that are hard. Mom still is not good at math. So don't ever ask her to do public math. And she's a grown ass woman. Okay. So I have said that three times this week. You know what, Caleb, I'm a grown ass parent and I am telling you, I don't even know. So like, don't feel bad about this. Like, just don't let that, like, I have survived 43 years in this world. And you know why? It's because of this handy dandy thing right here. And you guys can't see it who are listening, but I'm holding up a calculator. Okay. Like yes. my life has improved significantly with the use of a calculator. And I yes. tell you what, I own a home, I run a business and guess what? I'm fine. I'm fine. Yep. So. Yeah. Just, just don't, you know, so, so we, we, we have, you know, we try and have conversations about that, that when, when something's hard, it's, it's okay. There, there are things that are hard. For me, as you know, a mom, and um, there's there's just things that are hard in this world. We're not all good at everything. Yeah. So I think he has a fairly healthy self esteem. Since we're on the topic of you know gen ed versus resource again, um, I don't necessarily think that he derives any of his self esteem from that it it, school is just a function of his daily life you know it's I don't know either he doesn't hear if kids are teasing him or he just doesn't express it to us but he seems to have a pretty healthy self-esteem um and I I I guess I just don't see it coming from his experience at school, whatever that is. Honestly, I I think you hit that right on the head, Christine. Like, same thing. I don't think my son understands, like, those social norms enough to be embarrassed by them. And he just, I kind of love the obliviousness of it because I wish I had that. I wish I I was embarrassed about the things that I do all the time. Well, and I, or don't, don't you wish that for Emmanuel? Don't yeah. you just wish that you could oh. just say, you know what, dude, in the grand scheme of things, in yeah. 20 years, it's not going, it's not going to be embarrassing. Like you're not going to get why it was embarrassing now. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter how many times I tell him he's an 11 year old boy and he's yes. starting to get paranoid about everything. He's like looking at himself in the mirror and just, he's, it, it's driving mom crazy. But I mean, it, I wish I could just kind of like instill that into his mind. Like, you know, the way that Elian's living is the way that we should all be living. We shouldn't really give a shit about it. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Opposite way on that. 
He doesn't get social cues, but he thinks kids are making fun of him when they're not. So he's like overly paranoid. Like if kids are like laughing, he assumes they're laughing at him. Mm-hmm. And so we're that's what that's what my neurotypical son is. Emmanuel is probably that way. We say, "Are laughing at me?" Because he's just that age where everything is embarrassing, or he just everything's about him. Well, and that's yeah. the way Caleb is too. He is that kid where he um, assumes that if somebody's looking at him, it's because they're thinking something about him. And and I have said this before because you know Caleb was more or Isaac was more significantly impacted, and John's son Cooper is you know ASD level three, so he's you know severely impacted by autism. And I will tell you that like in some instances, like Cooper is such a delight in the sense that. Um, you're right. He's not, he does not care about the social norms. He doesn't think about what anybody is thinking about him. He stims and just goes to town in public and does not care. Um, whereas with Kayla, because he does have that cognitive understanding that he is different and well, be it, he loves his autism. Understand he loves his autism. Um, he still is cognitively aware of the fact that he is, he doesn't quite fit in and he wants to, he wants friends. He wants th- those same things, but it's just, it's different. What about you, David? Um, there are times where Morgan will come say, you know, the boys were shouting at me. And what was actually going on was the most well-intentioned thing in the world where the boys were trying to help her in the class. They came up and she saw that she was struggling with something. And so they were trying to give her instruction. What we noticed about Morgan is there can only be one voice at a time. Anytime we're addressing her, as soon as like, two or more voices come out and it just completely blows her circuitry. So we always have to kind of qualify, well, what were they saying? Well, they were telling me how to, okay, do you understand that they were trying to help? And she can't really kind of make that connection just because at that point, it's just over even with the best of intentions. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you guys for joining me. We've been actually going at this for almost an hour and a half. So that's, um, you know, hopefully through this particular podcast, we hope that this is like a, a variety of different kind of perspectives and situations when you're talking about kids that, um, you know, are more in gen ed versus those that are more in um, the uh, designed instruction environment. And I guess, again, the, my would my takeaway, I hope that people when they're listening to this, if you have a little one that's maybe not in school, um, maybe just understand that, you know, while we're all, you you know, you want your kiddo to be the most successful they can be, um, you kind of have to be willing, your your perspective is going to change about um, in terms of what the pinnacle of success is. And, and it may not be gen ed, right? Um, again, I think everything kind of changes. And so the hope of this particular pros and cons of public education or full general education, integrated education is just designed to kind of give people some different perspectives and know that, um, you know, there's a variety, there's a lot of successes. There are a lot of challenges. We definitely need some more middle of the road in between options. And hopefully um, with time, we're going to see more of that. Um, Thank you guys for joining me. I really, really appreciate it. We're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of Isaac's Autism Wild podcast. And that's it for now. If you want to be notified of our next podcast release, be sure to hit subscribe. And just remember, we're all in this together. So find your tribe and hold them tight.